When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of All Brother, a podcast about legendary musical institution, The Fall. Each week we invite along a guest to chat about their experiences and memories of the group. You can find us at all the usual suspects, but we're hosted at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash obrother. All episodes are also available on YouTube. Search for Obrother Podcast and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. This week we're joined by actor, producer, writer and part-time Death Eater, Mr Graham Duff, who will tell us about his experiences of the fall and his collaborations with Mark E. Smith. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the latest episode of Old Brother, a Fall podcast, hosted by me, Paul Hanley, and my excellent brother, Stephen, who was a member of the Fall for 20 years. Well, give or take. Uh, I think he played bass, I think. Uh, joining us this week is scriptwriter, director, producer, script editor, and author. It was getting a bit crowded in here. Um, <laughs> Mr. Graham Duff, as you probably know if you're a Fall fan, and if you're not a Fall fan, I'm not quite sure why you're listening to this, but there you go. He recently published The Otherwise, which was uh, as an as-yet unfilmed. Is it horror? Is it sci-fi? Yeah, it's horror, horror thriller, I suppose, yeah. It's, it's horror a horror thriller? It's, yeah, it's, it's a horror and it's thrilling, yeah. Um, a few people <laughs> said, it's, um, said it's folk horror, but it's, that doesn't quite... It, it, there's some of that in it, but it's also... It sort of engages with technology a bit as well, so it's not it's not your normal folk horror if there's such a thing. I so, didn't know there was a thing. No, well, there's a field in England, isn't there? That's hmm. a folk horror, isn't it? Yeah, Which and Wicker Man and Midsummer. They're, they're they all sort of do that thing where it's about you know ancient evil within the countryside and those sort of ideas, I suppose. And there, there is a bit of that in, in the otherwise for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll get on to that. We'll have to go back. I'm going back a bit further first. Okay. Uh, so. I was reading your book, The 15 Gigs. Oh, right, yeah. And I was reading, well, obviously, funnily enough, I, I zoomed in on the, the fall bit, and the first time you saw The Fall 
Yeah. I, I thought for years that that was the first time I saw the fall as well. Uh, um, it turned out that I'd actually seen them support the Rosillos at the Apollo slightly earlier, but this, that was Kelly's, 1978. Yes. yes that was your yeah. first time. Because we're pretty much the same age, I think. Yeah, well, because I was 14 um, in yeah. 1978. So, yeah, we, we are the same age, aren't we? Yeah, so... Um, Indeed. Yeah, no, I... Uh, that was a good gig, that. It was. I mean, it, you know, when I saw that, I, it, that... I'd probably by that stage seen about five or six gigs, and I'd seen some good bands. You know, I'd seen The yeah. Clash, Suicide, uh, yeah, Rosillo, Susie and the Banshees, and that. but that gig was just, you know, they'd been on big proper stages in in proper venues, and that. I mean, Kelly's was tiny; there wasn't even a stage, was there? It was yeah, just no. A, apparently, I was reading about that. Apparently, there should have been a stage, but they right. haven't delivered it in time, and then because it was it was Rock Against Racism. Yes, yeah, it we was put a it on, thing, yeah. and the, the stage was due to be delivered, and it it was that late for the next gig which was Joy Division uh, Pete Hooker yeah. to drive and go and get it himself oh. <laughs> so, so it was very glamorous but it, that was great because they, they were right in your face weren't they then yeah I mean I remember Mark just walking around the audience um, with the mic sort of you know literally singing into people's faces but, and I thought it was great because it was so I don't know because I was a school kid and I just liked disruption I suppose but it was it was yeah. really disruptive because I was so used to seeing you know that barrier between the audience and and and, and the uh, the musicians. I'd never seen yeah. that broken before, and it was broken. <laughs> but it was shattered, I suppose. Really, yeah, well, it was because mm -hmm. yeah, they, they were in your face in every sense of the word. The fall, yeah. weren't they? I suppose. But uh, that because that, that getting that close to Carl Burns was a bit of a thrill for me because he <laughs> was obviously what a drummer he was. Yeah. But obviously, I, I knew Matt. Well, you were at that as well, Steve. I presume. I don't suppose I would have gone without you, would it? Well, I'm, not, I'm assuming I was, yeah, but I, I don't really remember it. So Kelly's, it, it, take it was in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they only, um, they only ever played Manchester and London then, the fall, as far as I can see, if you look at that gigography. So where was Kelly's then? It, it's, oh. it was near the bus station, I seem to remember. Uh, oh. Okay. Like Piccadilly? Yeah. Uh, was it? Somewhere somewhere over that way, yeah. I remember navigating. I remember because I arrived there on the bus. I've been shooed ill, mightn't it? Oh, maybe. But I remember we walked for about, me and I went with this, this daft lad I was at school with, and we walked for about 45 minutes, found ourselves back really near the uh, the bus stop, and then found the gig. So we, we, we got on some ridiculous route. And this, hey, what, what? Walked to the Electric Circus and back, did you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went, went there via Russia and I'm back again. It, it, was, it was quite weird, actually, because... Um, I, I was the only person I knew, as it were, who was into the fall at that stage. I'd bought the um, live at uh, the Electric Cir Circus uh, compilation. Yeah. I bought B Bingo Masters, um, and I was just nobody. I couldn't convince anybody else. I suppose, well, I suppose all my mates, you know, I didn't have that many mates who were into punk, but they were into much, much more, you know, straight ahead conventional punk, and they just didn't go for it. And then I remember no. saying to this lad, Paul Barber, who somebody said, "Oh, he's really into music," and he, he was in my maths group. So I said to him, "I'm going to this fall gig. Do you want to come?" He said, "Oh yeah, I love the fall." I said, "Oh wow, that's amazing." Wow. And, and then, um, <laughs> and he, but he was saying that his favourite band was Rainbow, and he really liked Status Quo. So I was thinking, "Oh, it's quite odd he likes the fall." And then we were on the coach from from um, Great Harwood, where I live, just outside Blackburn, to Manchester. And I was sort of asking him about because I was so into it. I was asking him about you know this lyric and what he thought about that. And it quickly became apparent he'd just been completely lying. He didn't want to fall, but he, he just wanted to look cool. And um, oh, yeah, so uh, and they I, were never and cool, I, well, were they the fall? I don't know. It seemed cool to me, but then I, and I remember thinking at the time, of course he was lying because I remember uh, him having said at one point that uh, his his um, 
his hi-fi was so good that when he played Nevermind the Bollocks, he could hear the band discussing what song to play next. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. You can hear Sid asking where he puts where to put his finger to play an F. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So that was the first time you saw the fall, and then the next one I'm looking at here, and you're you've got Manchester Poly 1982. Was that yeah. the all day thing? No, I don't the think old... so. No, it was it was. I think it was just in the evening. I saw them a few times in between. Then I saw them at uh, Cone Nelson and Cone, I think, at the Working Man's Club there. Yes. And I saw, yeah. Um, what year would that have been? I bet. What would that be? Nineteen eighty, I think. Maybe. Is that a working men's club or something in Nelson? Yeah, it was a working men's club in, in Nelson. Club or yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? It was the railway workers club. It was the railway workers club. Yes, yeah. yeah. I tell you what, glamour, the glamour, unbelievable. Oh man, that's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. We seem to play a lot of them kind of play. Wakefield. We played as well. That was a working man's club as well, wasn't it? Why, why, drink, well, was that was that just a desire to play as much as possible? So you'd you'd sort of play anywhere. Was that was that the, the ethos? I don't know. Because nobody else seemed to. I think they, they, whether it was by accident or by design, they did it very, quite cleverly. I think Mark and Kay, they kind of built up that following by just driving a gigs where he could go back to Manchester. Yeah, right. So they and they built up a following around the northwest. So you know they play sort of anywhere that was sort of an hour or so's drive from Manchester. Because I'm, I'm right in thinking you were you were doing a, you know at least one gig most weeks around about that time. Yeah, we weren't. It wasn't touring as such. No. Like it became later. It was just like two gigs a week. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's uh, it's a way to get the band very tight, isn't it? I suppose apart from anything else. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think we ever did. It always seems, I don't know, as an audience member, it always seems really tightly drilled. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, rag, ragged, ragged, but tightly drilled. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, that's the skill. That's the hard thing to get, that. Ragged, but tight. It's not easy yeah. to do. Ragged all at the same time. We all play the wrong note at the same time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who was in the band in, when they played Nelson, then? Uh, Mark Riley was was uh, already in the band. Well, he was at uh, Kelly's. He was on bass at Kelly's, yeah, wasn't he, Mark yeah, Riley? I think he was on guitar by then because they were doing like New Face in Hell and stuff. So I'm pretty. I think you would have yeah. been drumming. Yeah, 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 if it was New Face in Hell, yeah. that would have yeah, been yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, I find it hard to believe that it doesn't loom in my memory more. Nelson Railway Club. You know, you think <laughs> one of those places, isn't it? You know, like uh, the super. You know, Madison Square Gardens yeah. or Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> you know. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is that how bizarre? Yeah, no, um, <laughs> yes, because that that was not long before um, uh, after the gram came out. I think that was like a couple of right, months before okay. that, maybe. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that'll um, have been that'll have been nineteen eighty, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It was <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then, then the one at the Poly was um, supported by Virgin Prunes, and uh, oh, I think yeah. that's when there was the, the you were doing the dual drummer uh, lineup, and the Prunes came on. Like just in loincloths and sort of sat on the stage and painted each other and, and yeah. it was weird because I remember thinking somehow it wasn't yeah I mean they were phenomenal they were just they were. just like tape loops and these like amazing chords and it, there were so many things about it that could have made it feel hippieish at the time because you know how hard lines so yeah. many sort of punks are. but somehow it didn't did it it was you know sitting in loincloths and painting each other yeah there was no air uh, uh, of 
well-being at all, was it? It wasn't like it wasn't like a loving, was it? It was terrifying. <laughs> I seem to remember. Yeah. I mean, but that, that I've always said that. I've said that. We've said it a couple of times on here. The contrast between them on stage and them in real life, because they were the nicest people in the world. Yeah. But on stage, they were absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was interesting, isn't it? Because it was properly grotesque. You know, and a lot of sort of punk bands at that time were pretending to be really in your face and that. But it was show business. And, and the, yeah. pr- the prunes and also the full were never show business, were they? It was always um, nope. something a little bit more... Nope. Uh, so quite an amazing trick for them to pull off them not being showbiz, considering how theatrical they were. Because, yes, I mean, the, it was easy true. for us not to be showbiz. Because yeah. we were just ambling on in our day clothes, but they, they managed to have that theatricality without looking like. Because they weren't yeah. like they wasn't. I suppose it because it wasn't like a band, wasn't? They weren't like pretending to be a band. They were they were like they were yeah. like like I say they were they were like a theatrical act. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is it was working class, wasn't it? That's the other yes. thing. It's not. It's yeah. not. That's. I mean, maybe some of them had a bit of art school experience, but it, it felt quite sort of raw and working class as well. It's a thing. Oh, it definitely are. Yeah. 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 So I was going. I was going to mention your uh, fanzine called Hex. Hmm. I don't know where you got that name from. Well, I'll tell you, the weird thing is, I, that was called Hex before you did Hex. It was it was wasn't it really. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I, we'd been doing something at school about uh, the Pendle Witches and, and stuff like that, and the word Hex just really leapt out at me. So I, I uh, yeah, I, I chose that. But um. It never really did anything because I did one copy and then um, <laughs> and and I don't mean one issue I mean one copy and um, and I couldn't because I was still at school and I couldn't afford to, to photocopy it and, and oh. so it just sat on the shelf for ages. Uh, well, and then I, and to then be I, fair, I've read the transcript of your interview with Pete Hook, and I, I don't think the, the world's lift, missed out no. on the literary masterpiece. There. <laughs> I think you could be right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that was there was a lot of ambition, but very little ability to follow through actually with the fanzine. Moving away from the fall just momentarily, I was going to mention a gig that another gig that you mentioned in your book, and yeah. I'm going to say if it was as bad as it as as the reputation it's got now, the Joy Division at the Derby Hall. Yeah, I mean, that was I, a bizarre gig, wasn't it? Yeah, were you, were you there for that, Paul? I wasn't there. No, I mean, I've seen the film. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen it in control. Yeah. What happened? Um, well, uh, in a, a, um, I think he'd attempted to kill himself either the night before or two <clears> nights <throat> before that with an overdose, and for some reason, <laughs> probably financial, they decided to go ahead with the gig anyway. Um, and it was, I mean, I thought it was a brilliant gig, to be honest with you, right up until the, the riot. I, I, I thought yeah. it, was, it was amazing. And it was odd, but it was. So, yeah, Section 25 were on. I think Mini Pops were on first. Section 25 were on. Uh, and then sort of before Section 25 left, sort of like the musicians in Joy Division came on and they started jamming a bit. And then Section 25 left. And then Alan Hempsell came on and sang a couple of couple of songs. I mean, it's, it's it's in Control, but in the film Control, which I do think is an excellent film, it's made to seem as if it's a spur of the moment thing. Oh, the audience are kicking off. Alan, come and yeah. come and come and sing a couple of songs. You know, well, it wasn't like that because I got this one of the set lists, and you can see it's indicated who's going to sing which songs. Right. Um, so he sang a couple of songs. Then and then Ian Curtis came on and sang two songs, and then he went off, and then they did a jam of of. Um, Sister Ray, and then everybody, like, well, everybody kicked off. There's some skinheads there who kicked off and started, you know, smashing windows and stuff. And then, and then it was over. But the thing was, 
like if that had been the end of the thing, they'd have done Sister Eight, and that was that was it. I would have just thought, what an amazing gig, you know? Because this yeah. sister, there was like Simon Toppin, there was you know all, all the musicians from Joy Division, there was um, Section Twenty Five, you know, and it was just like this, yeah. you know, for want of a better phrase, a super group jamming, yeah, you know. And it was, I thought it was fantastic. And then, but not everybody thought that. So yeah, it was no. I mean, it's, it is unbelievable that sort of show the show must go on of, of that. I mean, he mm. was in a bad way in a lot of ways. His health was yeah. nowhere, was it? And, yeah. uh, you know, and mentally he wasn't in the best place in the world. The fact that they didn't just say bollocks to this, we're going home, he needs to go to bed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I know. That's the scene in the film where Alan Emsel says to, uh, what's it, uh, where's my 25 quid? In my yeah. fuck-off yeah. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Gretton. Yes. He's great. The guy who plays Rob Gretton in that film is just, it's so good. Yeah, he's fantastic. I can't think of his name now. But then Paddy Considine played him in um, 24 Hour Pie People, and he's great as well. Yes. But they both sort of capture a different aspect of him, don't they? Yeah, and weirdly, they're, they're both they're both Paddy Constantine and the other guy who's called Toby something. I'm ashamed to say I can't remember his surname. They're in a film together as well where they're both brilliant, which is that um, uh, Dead Man's Shoes. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's a fabulous I haven't seen film. it, no, oh, right. I'll look it up for that. It's, it's oh, a Shane Meadows one. It's fantastic. And they're both, I mean, they're both such great actors, but it's, yeah, it's good. It's quite uh, quite trippy and quite moving as well, yeah. Right. Okay, and if we're going to talk about nightmare gigs and uh, looking yes. through your book i've just found another one and i think yeah, steve's got a bit more of an opinion on this one this is oh i know another one you're gonna say uh, i'm gonna say tuesday the 8th of october 1996 which mm. i think you described in your book as the worst gig you ever did steve is that right i think it was up there definitely got me up there, <laughs> I'm surprised there was no riots that night. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the, the fall in Worthing. The windows stayed intact that night. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you must have sensed early on, Steve, that that, that gig in Worthing wasn't going to go well, surely. That whole tour was not going well. Mm. <laughs> that whole tour was... Uh, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. So it was basically Mark had got sick of playing the rock clubs, you know. Yeah. Where you can, I don't know if it's quite the same now, but then you could go on at eleven o'clock if you wanted, or you, you know, yeah. nobody seemed to mind if they could drink. But them provincial venues, theatre venues like that, were yeah. so strict with everything. Yeah. With all the times that, and it was just impossible to get Mark to go along with it. Yeah, they'd, no, they'd be banging on the door at nine o'clock. You do on, you do on. <laughs> so there was tr basically trouble every night, but that was the worst one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was was that the the, the Brix's last gig or the first one after she gone? It was it was the, the, well, the, she left in Motherwell, right? As the song then goes, the, 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 then <laughs> it was the South Shield one that never happened. The night after, then we went to Worthing. Right, so was it all? <laughs> There's some three days. Then we went to Worthing. We went to Worthing. <laughs> that is bleak. Yeah. <laughs> so were they, was the whole tour them sort of? The whole tour was all them theatres, yeah. What did so? What was the gig? What was the next gig after that like? The promoter cancelled the next one, yeah. which was going to be Folkestone Leeds Cliff Hall. Right. 
So that was because that was it was the same promoter for uh, the whole uh, tour, except oh, right, yeah. the London gig. Yeah. So we we ended up not do, the London gig was the last gig. So then we ended up not doing any more till London, and then Bricks came back for that. Right, just uh, for yeah, the one yeah. gig. Just for the one to sort uh, of yes, say I'd farewell. Like, so, yeah. I think that was the that was Bricks's first tenure, was it? No, it's his second, second one. Yeah. Second one, of course yeah. it was, yeah. yeah. Of course it was, I can't Let's do my maths. Time, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> the shoelaces incident and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I seem to remember Mark at Worthy collapsing, like, you know, two or three times. And yeah, and somebody mm. tied his shoe, like, which is a bit of a twat's thing. Yeah, to do, a bit of a frankly. twat's trick, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, me. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. it was one of them low stage, it was a low stage, so. Yeah. But you low you think, as well. If Mark had been a little bit less inebriated, he would have spotted somebody tying his shoelaces. No, I mean, yeah. it, it's not a matter of seconds, is it? Yeah. No, no. Well, he, he, he was famed for long laces, you know. That's what people don't realise about Mark. He always wore very long laces on his shoe. <laughs> I have heard some of the recording of that, and the, the, I don't know what, how he. But the music is all right. Well, I always said that. I've watched it, and I'm not sure you've not watched it, Steve, or through through your fingers. But that last gig of yours, the music's incredible, actually. That well, that is brownies. Yeah, brownies. Yeah, brownies, yeah. Some of the music Sounds is really good. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, I think that's true. Actually, it's it just sounds like a really fucking tight garage band. You know. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, if we could get Steve to shut his yap for a bit and moaning, then it would have been a really good gig. <laughs> so, the, um, the last one I was going to ask you about um, was it was a bit of a just so we don't we're not going in down too down a dark alley. We saw them in, in Brighton at the Concord in 2002, which is a bit of a renaissance for them by then, wasn't it? Yes, it was because I had to admit, I'd, 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 after the Worthing gig, I sort of didn't bother for a while. I still bought the records, but I didn't. I wonder didn't, why. It just felt like a bit of, too much of a roll of the dice somehow. Did, you, the, did, did you get your money back for that Worthing? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think it occurred really? to me. I think I was in shock, to be honest with you, Steve. I didn't think it occurred to me. Um, no, apparently. <laughs> People were demanding refunds. Yeah, that's about fair, enough, I suppose. But, um, yeah, no, so, yeah, 2002, was it? I think, I, yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, start, I, start I, I don't think that is fair. <laughs> you were? I'm not so sure that is fair enough. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it would, you wouldn't have got your money back at a normal club, would you? Because there's, that's yes, the other that's thing. Yes, that's true. That is true. You, there's yeah. a set no, amount it. of time you've got to play, I suppose, at some of those venues before yeah, you put it to count yeah, as yeah. a gig. Yeah. Mm. Whereas right. at a rock yeah. club, if you come on to do 10 minutes, you've not promised anybody anything else, have you? That's very true, actually. Has anybody, has anybody who's yeah. saw New Order in the in the early 80s, you can, some yeah. of them, they were 20 minutes, it's really? 20 minutes, yeah. Very yeah. chain, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's true. I went to see Einstein and Neubarton once, and they Broke the house down. <laughs> banging a fire extinguisher for us. Enough for too long. <laughs> they were a racket, weren't they? Them. I should not send a noise pattern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a good dog, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think, and I think they've they've um, you know they've evolved so much from that from that, haven't they? So there's still an element of that in what they do, but it's, it's are they still going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Black Sabargel's not with them anymore, is he? Or is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's back with them, yeah. yeah. Is and, it? Yeah. yeah, and he does some solo stuff and he collaborates with other people, yeah. Well, he was he's, in the Bad Seeds, wasn't he, for a, a good while? Yeah, he's... I think. <laughs> was he? Came out, he came yeah, out fresh as a daisy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. He used to do Kylie's bit on the Wild Rose Live, as I, as I recall. Oh, Black Sabargel. Yeah. Not quite the same, but, you know. <laughs> did he wear Fortune. the outfit? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, something else I was going to ask you. Oh, we, we didn't. You've not said much about Brighton yet. About Brighton. So that who? Yeah, who was in the band then? Then who would that have been? That uh, would have been. That was um, Spencer, um, Jim, and uh, Ben. Would Ben, ben would have yes, been? Yes, it, yeah. it was. It was. And Eleanor. And Eleanor. Eleanor was just yeah. starting to be integrated. So she played. She didn't play it on all the tracks. She came on for like four or five songs, I think, across the set. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. It was a really good gig. And also, they just had um, uh, the, the music had just been used in that advert, you know, for vo- the Vauxhall Corsa. Oh, uh, you're wishing that to Steve. Oh. Very touchy about that, Steve. Oh. It's a very sensitive subject, if you'll pine the pun, that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Steve. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. No. Uh, so what, what, why, why, why is it a touchy subject for you, then, Steve? You have to explain. You played that, didn't you? Well, 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 I was in the. It, it was I was in the room when it was written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was me, Mark, and Julia. Yeah. And I think from what I can, I don't really know it that well, but I think the bass is a quite a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, yeah, and well, I, obviously, I left the band, and we did it for a peel session before I left. Yeah. <laughs> And are you credited on the peel session? Mm. I can't remember. I don't think so. Well, I mean, Elton John's cleaning cleaning lady, she wants a credit on uh, Candle in the Wind because she was in the room when it was written. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what counts, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's all bass, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what the, I, I can't. I, I think I've heard it the peel It wasn't so much fun down here, put it that way, two years after leaving when it, you treat yeah, the telly on and that, advert, and that advert comes on. No, yeah. I can imagine, yeah. And you've not mm. been paid for it. No. Thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bit of chesty cough there. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. We've, yeah. all, we've all moved on. Let it go. I think we made a lot of progress this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. It was meant to be a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I'm trying to think why I mentioned that. Oh, the reason I mentioned that is because I think there was it, it had sort of excited a bit more interest from people that had maybe forgotten about the four, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it was mm-hmm. quite, it was, there was um, some younger people there and it was just really buzzing and yeah, and it, and it was a great gig. Um, yeah. And Mark was doing quite a lot of stuff with like tape recorders and stuff at the beginning and yeah, it felt pretty special actually. Yeah. I mean, because they did get great again, didn't they? I mean, when yes. I, I was because the, there was the, the dudes, weren't they, the American guys? But that yeah. last lineup yeah. were just phenomenal. Mm. I think they were just. Yeah. I, I mean, whatever you say about Mark and people, you know, people, but to get back to that, I think where it was just, it was just. I think it was just a joy, wasn't it? If because we speak, we spoke to um, what's it, the, yeah, yeah and Kieran. The, Kieran, and yeah. you can just see how much he loved it, and you know. It was the yeah. atmosphere had changed, and I think everyone's expectations was man, were managed better. I think by then, I don't think. Yeah. 
I think I think that's right. And I, I think see, I, I think there was a bit of a shift round about the time um, that there was the documentary, the wonderful frightening world of Marky Smith, and that was the same year that the Peel Session box set came out. And I yeah. think that I think that changed the way that Mark felt about what he was doing a little bit. I think on some level. And I think I, I doubt he would ever admit this or even allude to it. But I think on some level, I think after that, he probably felt he didn't have as much to prove, or he didn't have to prove it, so he could completely get on with what what he was, you know, what he, what was in his head yeah. and what he wanted to do. And I mm-hmm. think he just relaxed. And that might sound like creative death or whatever, but somehow it just led to this. I think that la- those last six albums are a really impressive run of albums. If that was a band's first six albums, people would be going, yes. "Wow, look, check yeah. this out," you know. And I, I think, um, I mean, I wrote about this in, 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 in the book a little bit about um, how it, I think of it a little bit like the last two Beefheart albums with Virgin, where before yeah. that he sort of flirted with a little bit of commercialism and, and, and this and that. And then those last two albums are really raw and primal and just getting right to the heart of, of you know, this sort of mutant blues. And I think that, that last six, those last six full albums have got something in common with that. All the sort of flirtation with with commerciality or sort of formal song structure is more or less gone, and it's just yeah. this really raw primal sound again. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it, people who people who, who sort of like took their eye off the ball to, towards the end or dismissed that latter period are, are really missing something quite special. To be honest with you, well, I mean, one hundred percent. It's a great position to get yourself in, isn't it? That you yeah. where where you can basically just do what you like and. And yeah. you have, when you've got an audience there who, who... it's yeah. it's quite unusual, isn't it? That uh, mm. I can't I can't struggling to think of. I suppose Bob Dylan would be one where he he doesn't pander to his back catalogue necessarily. Yeah. He'd do it if he wants, but you don't you don't go to you know you don't go to see Bob Dylan with the expectation of hearing him play like a Rolling Stone like the record, do you? I suppose. I don't well, go you to do, see Bob Dylan at all. To be, I don't really like Bob right. Dylan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> but yes, no, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, it's so it's true. It's not many, I don't think. No, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because culture's sort of moved in the opposite direction a little bit now, where it's like, you know, bands getting together and playing classic albums in the sequence they were recorded. That's becomes like a big part of the, you know, yeah. of it. Or bands doing a series of nights where they'll do a different album every night. That sort yeah, of it's... rocker's heritage industry has really become a yeah. thing that it never used mm. to be. No, and, uh, I just think they did it, didn't they? Sparks did every album one night after the other. That's right, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Which... must have got a bit weird around, around the dog years, you know, around one black <laughs> sucker or something. That must have been interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before the Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's always there's always dark albums with long running bands, aren't there? Where you think, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well we t- we talked to Ed Blaney uh, oh, and yeah. he was saying Mark got offers for that. A few offers. Yes, and yeah. Ed, I mean, but uh, he was—he wasn't as a quite as averse to it as you might think. I mean, obviously, he never did it, so he must have been that. He must have been fairly averse to it because it never happened. But I yeah. would have thought he wouldn't have touched that with a twenty-foot no. large ball, would you? No. I mean, I, I remember him saying to me at one point that he'd, he'd, there'd been a couple of offers to to, to play Hex. In, in yeah. at, at something at the Barbican or something like that, you know, and he was very, very dismissive of it. But I think it's, I don't know, it's weird because it's, you know, it's still the fall, but it's a completely different band. You know, it's a few different bands down the line, isn't it? So, yes, yeah. of course, the, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the Kieran, Pete, and um, and Dave and Eleanor lineup playing Hex. Yeah. Like, well, what, what would mm-hmm. that be anyway? 
you know, it's just like I'm sure yeah. Mike was smart enough oh. to think that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna fly, you know. No, no. I mean, like you say, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't going to get the original band back together. <laughs> <laughs> for one last job. For one, yeah, yeah, yeah. For one yeah. last job, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I can't say that happened either. But that, 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 I don't think that would have worked. I don't think so. No. It would have been, everyone would have been in too weird a place, I think, for that to work. Yeah. I think. Do you, Steve? I can't believe, yeah, that he'd even entertain it with the, with the current band, or they would. Oh no! no. Oh, really? See, oh, well, they, well, he did that. Was was it Blackburn where they did like a sort of greatest mm. hits DVD? Oh yeah, um, but that wasn't no. I mean, there was a few more sort of because that was the tour that um, you know we were talking about seeing them in in Brighton in two thousand and two. Yeah, that's the same tour as that. So I think that that tour did have a few more. Uh, you know, uh, back backwards looking songs on it. I suppose there was like. Um, Stuff from this savings nation, this yeah, this yeah, nation's saving yeah. grave, and a few other things. Um, so I don't know if it was exactly greatest hits, but it certainly had a few more from the vaults than you would expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but not that you could tell. I mean, you'd only have to change a few more. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have known it was the classical. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, very true. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and so, certainly, um, I know Eleanor played like keyboards, and that it was very atonal, very uh, you know, sort of slightly stomping over it in a way. But I, I like that. Why not? You know. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Well, she only she only had that little, that tiny little keyboard, didn't she? That was, yeah, was it like a, a little it's, it's, a wasp or what was it? It's a Korg um, Korg monophonic. Right, so, um, okay. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, but it had a really deep bassy sound, which I think was great. But I mean, that okay, is weird, yeah. you know, the, that her keyboard sound became one of the sort of defining sounds of like that last era, didn't it? In a way, yeah, it did. Yeah, like, that sort of burbling sort of noise. <laughs> really like that. Uh, right, there was something else I wanted to ask you about while we're still mm-hmm. about. You um, got some mutual friends in in our friends at Factory Icon, Malcolm and Claude, because you, you oh, worked yes. there for a bit, didn't you? I did. Well, yeah, my work implies that, that, that I got a wage, which I didn't. in the world, But yeah, no, I, I, it was, um, yeah, that was really exciting. There was, Brian Nicholson was the, techni- the sort of um, uh, technician, art technician at Blackburn College where I was studying. We made a couple of videos together and uh, like sort of arty things, and he sent them to the Hacienda just as the Hacienda yeah. had, had opened. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll show these, and, you know, you should come in and do, you know. And so before we knew it, we were sort of making promo videos for, um, like, Section 25 and, and The Wake and people like that. So, yeah, no, right. it, was, it was, you know, I mean, I was, what, at that start, I would have been 17, I think, 17, 18, you know, and suddenly you're in Tony Wilson's basement, you know, doing this stuff and Bernard Sumner's popping around, I thought, you know, and it, yeah, it was a real buzz, you know. But yeah. I'll tell you what, what was what was great actually. One of the great things for me personally about about Tony is, you know, he'd have come back from some do where he'd been talking to Melvin Bragg or whatever, you know, and we'd be down there editing and he'd be chatting about stuff, and he'd say something, and very occasionally I'd, I'd chip in with a bit of something because I was a bit overawed by these people. Yeah. But he he sort of. He let me feel like I was being heard, if you know what I mean. It's like he yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't talk over you or dismiss. You know, if you said something, he'd pick up on it and talk about. It, you know, and yeah, for somebody who still largely felt like a kid, it was quite a pivotal time. Actually, it was lovely. Really, yeah, good. can I imagine. So you, you'll have been working at Icon when we did um, perverted by language, then, were you? Or was that yes, was that yeah, about the same time? 
Yes, I, I wasn't involved in that because I think Malcolm edited that, didn't he, Malcolm Whitehead? Um, well, you, but, say, you say edited. <laughs> he had some glue, he had some scissors. <laughs> he switched, but press record and play on the video recorder, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Right I, time. I tell you what, though, that looks better now than it did at the time, I think. <laughs> well, it's like, it's it, completely and utterly, it's like you're talking about the theat theatricality of the Virgin Prunes. It, it yeah. couldn't be less theatrical if it oh. tried, could it? It's just, it yeah. just doesn't even attempt to look like anything like <laughs> the videos that were coming out. I mean, I don't think MTV were queuing up to play it. No, no <laughs> you're not, uh, you're not uh, pulling up alongside Duran Duran there, are you, to try and... <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a task, wasn't it, to, to fill that six minutes or whatever it is of Eat Yourself Fit? <laughs> it was. Well, I, I think Mark, Mark's storyboards for that, well, I think he had a storyboard for them all. Right. And what he hadn't done is timed how long it took, and I think he had about two minutes of ideas when we first when we started shooting. Uh, so then you, you get like, we'll, we'll put a few bits of the, this newspaper in, and I'll have someone holding up a piece of paper, and uh, all, you know. Yeah. The band walking down the street again. <laughs> walk back down again. <laughs> what are in those drinks that you're knocking back? Okay, oh, I see yeah. drinks that we're knocking back: milk, flour, yeah. and and um, food dye. They were absolutely oh, disgusting. We'll have some coloured drinks. So you just get food dye and put it in water. And if you, I don't know if you've ever put food dye in water, it just looks like slightly lighter water. It doesn't yeah. look to your face. Oh, well, stick some flour in it and a bit of milk. That'll make it look... Oh, we've got a drink. But they are great. They, 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 I know what you mean about them standing up. Uh, they, they just look completely and utterly bizarre now, though, but, but in a good way. Yeah, they're not like anything else, and they're really in your face. You know, there's no holding back with any of it. It's really punchy. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... Should be out on Blu-ray. Should be. Should be. Should be. Yeah. Well, speak, speaking of screenplays, um, yeah. So we need to talk about the otherwise. Well, I say what a segue. I tell you, I should be on time. No, oh, so be. I'm that good. So the otherwise. <laughs> and now we're working on our sponsors. Uh, you yeah. need to throw this together. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it take for you to write with Mark? That. Um, well, it, it sort of evolved over quite a long period, really, because he, he, I invited him in to, to play Jesus on, on a series I was doing yes. on BBC Three called mm -hmm. Ideal, uh, with Johnny Vegas playing that a, again today. Great, isn't it? Oh, cheers, man. Yeah, and it was it was a really good good show to to write. But but yeah, so Mark Mark came in and did that, and then I just afterwards I was talking to him. I said, "Have you ever thought about writing, you know, narrative stuff for television or whatever?" And he was saying about he did develop some stuff for some Welsh company that been lost. And I and I said, "Well, look, you know, if I can be of any help to you, you know, like pitching stuff, just let me know." And that was what I was thinking at the time. Really, was just you know, if he's got ideas for like ghost stories or whatever, you know, for TV, I'd love to help him realize that, you know. And then. It, he he phoned me up a couple of weeks later, maybe maybe even a week later, and and uh, just said, "Oh, you know, do you want to meet up and we can talk about writing some stuff for television together?" And I think it should be really scary. And that was it, really. And so we so we we got together and we developed an idea for a um, a bit like a Tales of the Unexpected or Outer Limits, Twilight mm -hmm. Zone type thing, a different like an anthology thing, you know. And I just you know, and, and we worked quite hard on it, but we didn't do scripts. We just like worked out little stories and stuff. And I sort of couldn't get anybody interested in it somehow. I was, I was pitching it to different places, and to be honest with you, Mark's reputation preceded him. You know that it was. Um, you know, people were going, "Oh, well, I saw him on, you know, talking about John Peel, and I'm not sure about him." You know, 
I'm sure we want to work with this guy, you know. And I said, oh, it's just like there is so much more to it than that, you know. It's this like that, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, and I said to a few people, I said, don't forget, John Peel would have been utterly delighted by that, you know. Everybody been outraged <laughs> on John Peel's behalf, and I think Peel himself would have loved it, you know. Anyway, so. Um, so yeah, so we got knocked back, but we stayed in touch. And you know, I was I was up in Manchester for like three months a year for ten years, really. So I saw I saw a lot of Mark when I was up there. And a few years later, we sort of had another go at pitching it, and nobody was interested. And then we just whenever we met up, we'd sort of sort of talk about it, you know. And and then uh, I can't remember who suggested it. If it was him or me, we just said, well, maybe you should do it as a film script. And then once we started doing that, we I mean that was probably we'd probably been friends for about six seven years by that stage and talked a lot about the tv anthology ideas so we just took two of the ideas from the anthology series and sort of stuck them together or blended them together for the for the film thing and um it probably took about to do the script on and off it probably took about five months but that's with you know quite a lot of off time um because we're both doing other stuff but um yeah, and you know, and, and it was it was really quite balanced. I, th- I think there's two ways people tend to think about this project. Either I wrote it all, and it was just you know Mark spouting a few weird ideas and me turning them into a script, or yeah. Mark came up with it all and I just typed it out. You know, and it's not either of those really. It's it's down the middle. You know, he'd send me whole scenes that he'd worked out, and I'd write scenes, and then we'd sort of chuck stuff in on each other's. You know, we'd write stuff independently, send it to each other, then meet up and go through it. You know, and so yeah, we didn't we didn't have many consecutive days, but you know, a, across a couple of months, we'd meet up three or four times, I suppose, and spend a lot of time yeah. on the phone. And it was great because he was really into it. You know, he'd, fa- he'd yeah. literally phone up in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. like two two o'clock in the morning, and he's oh, and I'm answering the phone, thinking, Christ, what's this going to be? You know, it's a, you know <laughs> hospital or something. And it's him going, oh, I've just come back from uh, from uh, from uh, Portugal. I had some really good ideas on on the plane. You know, so uh, yeah. have you got a pen and paper? <laughs> you know, I'm sort of like wiping <laughs> the sleep from my eyes, going, yeah, I'll, I'll just get ah. one, man. I'll just get one. So yeah, it, t- it took a while. Is it is it is it filmable? Do you think? I think it is filmable. I mean, we got we got knocked back. After, you know, we showed it a few people, a few production companies at the time, and, and again, Mark's reputation made people scared because he's not only behind mm-hmm. the camera, the, the fall and marker characters within the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, thing course, as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think people were quite worried about that. And later, people just oh, this is too weird. This is too weird. We heard that a yeah. lot, you know. And I think it's not that. You know, it's got some weird things well, in it. No, but, no. but I think I, it's... I, I, that was the big thing that I thought. I thought this is going to be like you know when you get like like the monkeys film head where you just yes. think this is absolutely bonkers. But I, I was, I mean, I, I was quite happy for it to be that bonkers. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. there's plenty of not bonkers TV out there. But it, it 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 hung together in a way I wasn't expecting really. Which is yeah, strange. I mean, I, I think you know, and I, I think that's probably part of of what of, of what I brought to it. I think is that is structure. I'm really quite good on structure, and and mm-hmm. you know, it's like we came up with a lot of odd ideas and sort of structured them. To, and I think it is satisfying. I think when you get to the end, you feel like you've, yeah. you know, you follow the characters and you care about the characters. And I think, um, you know, we we were we always said once we if, if we can get this into production, we will make it a little bit weirder still. You know, we'll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll play around with the editing and you know yeah. whatever, but uh-huh. um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a cogent cogent horror film. Yes, I think, yeah, yeah. Your so, big problem um, now is you're gonna you're gonna have to get somebody to play Martlow, aren't you now? I know, I know. Well, I mean, the, the, that's one of the curious things is like now, you know, what three and a half years after Mark passed away, there is there is mm-hmm. interest in it, and you know, there's been interest from a few different people, but um, Paul Adam Forsyth. Um, 
uh, Ian Forsyth and Jane Pollard who did um, they do they're sort of that YBA generation really of like young British artists but they do yeah. stuff exclusively with, with film and video and they and all their stuff tends to be rooted in music and musical subcultures they did right. things like they restaged the last Ziggy Stardust gig um oh, and right. they did, yeah right. and then they did they did that film is it called Twenty Thousand nights on earth with nick cave and cardi oh Mo. yes yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. Did, they did that so there's stuff it's sort of it's arty for want of a better phrase but yeah. it sort of engages with you know mainstream yeah. so they, they got in touch they they read it and they were really excited so yeah with them we're at the moment trying to trying to sort of get it into uh into production wow um, which, you know, fingers crossed. thing is, it's like, you know, I've been at this game 20 odd years and it's like yes. what you learn is radio's slow, TV is very slow and film is glacial. You know, it's just like, yeah. I've had to film yeah. scripts, you know, that were like six years down the line here from development. So I'm on one hand, I'm really I've had, ex- I've had a few conversations with people about my book as well. Eh? Yeah. Uh, yes, but we need to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, not, not, say, on the, not on the air, please, Jen. No, come no, on. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm hoping we can do that. But yes, oh, that'd be great. No, that would be but good. Casting Mark is, is is a tricky one. He's not the main character, as, as anybody's read no, the no. script will know. But he's he's one of the sort of he's a chunky supporting character, shall we say? So well, would he, uh, would, it needs to be cast. How, how old would he be in it? Then? Well, it was. I mean, it was supposed to be contemporaneous to when we wrote it. So he's, it, it was oh, written okay. in 2014, right. 2015. So it's it's Mark at the end of his life, I suppose. Really, yeah. So sort of late fifties. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. would it have to be him? I think. I think it is fairly key that it is. You know, you, you could make it a generic singer in a band, I suppose, could you? But I don't think it'd work quite the same, would it? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's sort of so woven into the fabric of what the story is. And, yeah. and, and also there's part there's there's some of Mark's personal experiences are in there as well there's yeah. a, where they go to score some uh, speed uh, which was a story he told me but when he was young that this guy this this guy I think was some counselor had answered the door so bollock naked but as nerd, that it wasn't and he said oh yeah come in lads <laughs> and they've gone inside <laughs> and, um, and and in some, they'd scored they'd scored some weed and some speed and um and there was clearly about to be some sort of middle-aged swingers thing going on. I think this was when Mark was about 18. <laughs> and they were trying oh, to like, get Mark and Linda mm. over to, to sort of join in this swingers scene. And I remember Mark saying, no, once we scored, we couldn't fuck off quick enough. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, that wasn't going to happen. But, I don't think that had been quite his cup of tea, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I do wish you all the best for that. I'd be great. Oh, yeah, cheers, man. Wouldn't it? Well, it would be really good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, think I think there's something about now, the fall... And Mark, certainly Mark, has he's got a kind of respect that I don't know. It, it, I, can't, I can't see that it's coincidence that he's no longer with us. But he's definitely they've definitely elevated, haven't they? I think yes. and people take them much more seriously and much more give them much, give the group much more uh, credit than they got at the time. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's, it's, it's an old thing that you don't get, you never appreciate it until you're gone, but. Um, yeah, to me, you know, without be funny, I don't think he helped himself sometimes. But um, no, the, the, it's a great to see that people, re- people, you know, people respect the fall in a way that they, they, it's a shame he didn't, he didn't get to see it. That, but he'd probably hate it anyway, wouldn't he? To be honest, well, I, I think he'd hate it, and I think he'd probably do his best to screw it up or screw yeah. something <laughs> up. You know, <laughs> just because I mean, that, yeah. that, that was hardwired into it, wasn't it? You know, it's like yes. It's it's like as soon as you get within an inch of perfection, where it's like, well, let's do something else instead. You know, <laughs> yeah. No, it's. it's, it's did, you ever, did you ever find that, Steve? 
What's it? <laughs> what? Just, just when you think you're getting there, you will do something else instead. Happened to, happened to the fall a couple of times, didn't it? Well, so. yeah, once or twice, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, that's why the fall aren't any other band, isn't it, I suppose? So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I, I'm shocked that people still listen to this stuff 40 years later. Dead right. Yeah, well, it's uh, incredible, uh, isn't uh, it? Yeah. I, yeah. But I think that it's one of those things where the, the the fall are lots of different things to different people, aren't they? I know that's pretty, perhaps a bit of a trite thing to say, but well, it's like it, it's true because that, you, that's like that excavate book is kind of is kind of that, isn't it? That's kind of saying mm. you can you can yeah. write about the fall in the context of anything, can't? Yes, it's true, and I think you know, and, and it's like obviously there's people who for them certain eras are what really counts, you know, and the rest they're not so bothered about. Or for some people, it's it's certain strands within it, isn't it? You know, I think yeah. it's interesting. You, you get a lot of bands that or artists who describe themselves as as being experimental, and yet they sort of got a signature sound. You can always tell it's them, you know. Yeah. And and um, I think the thing with the, with the full is that you know there is a lot of sort of cul-de-sacs if you like and stuff like that you know where you just think this doesn't well crew filth or something where people go what the hell is this you know but that's part of the mix that's part of what's going on that's that's why that's why it's the came up that came up on something the other day somebody put it noel's chemical effluent i'm not on that i thought i'm not on that but i'm actually i'm on it yeah it's actually not that bad that's a great track that i think that's Belter, yeah, yeah. Hey, why that wasn't Noel's chemical effluent? I mean, it screams top ten hit to me. <laughs> I can see him on the terraces. It's a real sing along, isn't it? <laughs> you can forget your three lions, mate. Noel's chemical effluent. <laughs> but it's, it's it's very true though what you say. What it's very true what you're saying is that there seems to be a level of sort of respect and regard now. That is several notches above what 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 was what was available to Mark when mm. he was here, um, and it's I think because he's not here is really gratifying. You know I think if yeah. he was if he was still like say he would probably be making things worse. <laughs> but uh, no, it's good. It's and it's well deserved. You know. It's yeah, really definitely. Well yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. evidently, just to have a band that lasted that long, that never became a heritage act in any way yeah is yeah. kind of astonishing isn't it really yeah well the, i mean the only comparable one is wire you know in terms of a band that are always doing the, the next day stuff that you know yeah, they, split about, up for, they split up for 15 oh, yeah, years yes yeah, exactly but but in terms of like of that generation that seniority yeah. and, I, and i don't i don't like it that they don't do outdoor minor <laughs> <laughs> they should i have a flight <laughs> well, it's been like the full. They will occasionally chuck chuck uh, something in that mm. you are not expecting at all, you know, from the from the back catalogue. But but yes, no, that's the difference, isn't it? That the fall never stopped, and the fall above all else were a were a live band, weren't they? You know, for all yes. the albums and all the sessions, it's the the live stuff that's the real sort of kernel. Actually, I think. Yeah, and it's it was. It, I don't. It did turn into a kind of tour record cycle for a bit, but mm. for a lot of the fall's career, it was. Play, they played live all the time, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like you know. I mean, took a bit it took a bit to get going after Christmas, I think. But <laughs> it was it was it was a, a kind of integral part of the band. It wasn't we'll be touring next year. Which is, you look at bands now and they seem to do so little oh, I know, compared to how bands worked back in. I mean, I know it sounds like an old gate there, but it seems to be that the model doesn't seem to be sustainable, does it? That you you put that much product out and you do that many gigs. I don't think. 
Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It def- definitely feels now like um, that people are sort of hold it, holding back a little bit. I don't know, mm. but but then I mean, one thing I wanted to ask you actually before is like what the feeling of because um, I know both of you have written about that notion of of you'd sort of play something in the sound chat or come up with something in the sound chat and you're pretty much playing it that night. I mean, is yeah. that, how is that? Yeah. <laughs> how does that affect your nerves? Do you just do, did you just get on with it or were you? <laughs> But I, I never, I'm never nervous. I don't think. I don't think I was. I, I don't know why. Really? But no, we, 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 no, no, I, I never got not, nervous. Not in the traditional sort of way of nerves that you'd think would stop you doing something. Hmm. Well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if, you know, <laughs> you, you, you're doing a song for the first. You've just played. You've just played on this day for 15 minutes. You know, you, the, the, what you know. <laughs> the, the, you, they're not going to suddenly rebel when they hear one they don't know because they, they don't know yeah. half of them anyway, do they? I suppose, but it is, yeah. it is, it was, it was pretty rare that I think it was certainly when I was in the band. You didn't, it only happened a couple of times where you'd play a song that was, I mean, Hit Priest is the one that sticks in my yeah. mind, but I mean, the reason that sticks in mind because it's documented because it's on video the first right, time we yeah, ever so. played it because it was quite an unusual thing then to video gigs. I mean, it's not like now, yeah. every gigs, but for some reason that gig at Leeds was videoed. And we're playing it, priest, and it was the, that was the day it was written. I mean, it's wow. not to be, it's, it's not all that to be. <laughs> it, it needed a bit of work, but the, all the work was done on stage. Yeah, but it's, is, it, a, it's the same song when you're watching that recording. Yeah. It's the same yeah. song, and a lot yes. of what it's, a lot of what became the hallmarks of that song are already there as well, aren't they? Which is incredible, really. Yeah, it's pretty, mm. pretty amazing. That, but I mean, that, that, but it was unusual. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily think it's a good idea. I think it's a bit indulgent in a way. Mm. But then, you know, hard luck in some ways. But <laughs> I don't think you can do it very often. You, I mean, you you wouldn't want to be doing four or five songs you'd written that day because yeah. you know four of them would be shit, wouldn't they? Let's face it. <laughs> but that was another thing with the fall. It was it's it wasn't there wasn't the same cachet on every song having to be you know the. the there's, an, there's another 15 songs around the corner, so if this one's not yeah. that, just wait a minute and you'll have another song coming along, which is great. You don't, there was not, there's a lot less pressure on. There's not that thing. Oh, we've got to write for the next album. That was never a thing yeah. for you, Steve, was it? No, no. There was. Uh, we always seem to be working on stuff. Yeah. So I'm, so, I'm, so like, um, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap me. I'm trying to think of others. <laughs> yeah. I've got. I think Deadbeat Descendant. We did it. Really? What about, we what played about it in the, played so, the sound check. And did it that night? And did it that night, yeah, in America, in a, fe- a festival in America. Wow. wow. <laughs> what about what's it tonight? I'm going to rock you tonight. Did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need a lot of work from. Uh... <laughs> what's it called, that, sorry? Athlete cured. Athlete cured. Yeah, I mean, I'll Hang beep on a minute. I'll beep it out. Admit- the PRS will be after us, won't they? I'll beep it out. Into anything here. <laughs> <laughs> it's an homage. It's an homage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think we're rapidly running out of time here, Graham. That's been absolutely brilliant. That. Oh, yeah, oh, real pleasure. Oh, there is, there is something I did want to ask you about. I did yes. want something about you. you and, and this has got nothing to do with anything really. You've written for Big Finish for Doctor Who, haven't you? I wrote one, yes. I wrote a, um, a one for Paul, uh, Paul McGann, right? Yeah, called called Faith Stealer, yeah. So um, no, it's uh, I, I, and I was in Doctor Who briefly as yes, well. Yes, I was coming to that. I was coming to that. Yes. Oh, good, good, because I wanted to mention that. Uh, yeah. uh, I've <laughs> been obsessed. Episode, don't you? 
Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah, playing yeah. like a sort of robotic Robot. waiter. Yeah, no, it was, um, no, that was that was definitely you know one to tick off the the wish list. Yeah, yeah. So are, are yeah. you a big Hoovian then? Uh, I am more so the sort of sixties and seventies stuff. The the right. you know. Uh, William Hartnell to Tom Baker. I'm sort of very, very keen on that. After that, I, I, I'm still quite keen. Not so much in the the Sylvester McCoy and all that, but when I think when it's come back, I think it's largely been a really, really good show. I've, I've got yeah. to say, I, I've, I, I've not enjoyed the uh, the Jodie Whittaker era. I haven't. One. I haven't really. I mean, I, not. I think she's really good as as the Doctor. But the I don't stories know, aren't I, much, I, I, though, are they? The stories aren't there, are they? No, for me. No. But yeah, for me, it feels like it's gone. We could do, yeah. I mean, I think you know, yeah. there's been there's been a lot of criticism, so maybe they'll have taken some of that on board. But if to me, the main thing is, it feels like it's changed from a family show to a kids show. Yes, and uh, I think that's... some of them were like the Magic Grandad. Some of them early ones, like first series. <laughs> well, you know, where she goes back in time and meets Rosa Parks, and I know, it, 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 I know. It, uh, anyway, we're digressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for coming along Graham it's been great uh, to talk yes, to you real pleasure thank you thanks to both uh, take that care and, uh, I'll, I'll see you at the premiere of uh, your TV yes. your film I'll be sitting next to you in the front row <laughs> <laughs> I can't invite to be honest but there you go okay mate right, cheers man take care bye bye that was great that Graham thank you very much oh cheers thank you that was really that really flew, enjoyed that. flew by as well Jesus it I did felt like Thanks for joining us this week on Old Brother. Episodes are released every second Friday, so watch your episode 11 in two weeks. Please follow us on Twitter, at Old Brother Show, where you can find a link to Spotify and subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher or RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, give us a rating on iTunes or tell your friends about us. For further reading, the Otherwise is available from all good bookshops, and you can check out our books published by Root Publishers, and they're available from all good bookstores too. Hope to see you all again soon, and remember, if you're driving, take your car. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.